<laughs> the stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of hockey. What are you not doing that now? What? I just wanted to. I wanted to hear you do it. <laughs> I wanted you to do a solo. Gosh dang it! Uh, you know I'm not a soloist. I'm all. I'm all about the. the you know, standing in the chorus in the back with I the rest can, of the I altos. Can, I could feel you get really, really, really nervous about it. About like literally the first line. It was pretty hilarious. <laughs> like I wasn't gonna like just let it drop, but <laughs> but you were a trooper. You went all the way through. Good job. Good Thank job. You. This is Deep in the Heart of Hockey. We're a podcast about the Dallas Stars, fancy stats, and general hockey shenanigans. Uh, High on the shenanigans for the offseason. Yeah, lots hot, lots of offseason shenanigans. Oh my god, it's so exciting. Uh, today is June 15th, and this is our 54th podcast. That feels uh, right. We didn't look it up. That, no, it's right. Um, <laughs> I have discovered, oh, by the way, I'm Marin. that's Carolyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have discovered the only good thing about not actually being able to podcast with you in the same room anymore. And that is? I am not currently wearing pants. <laughs> it is too hot in Austin for pants. It's actually really nice here. Like, it's been getting Shut into up. the 90s. No one <laughs> It's been getting into the 90s, but, uh, you know, the other day, actually, like, I think it was Friday, Friday or Saturday, it was 75. Yeah, nobody cares about your gorgeous weather and your mountains. Um, (laughs) I got out to my car this afternoon, and, like, you also have to understand that I work in an office, and the office is freezing, so I was wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt today, because that's dressing for my office. And this is coming from me, who is a cold-natured person anyway. Like, I always love to be cold. So I was just like, oh, God, it's so cold in here. But I left my room, my work today, walked out, got in my car, and my temperature gauge read 109 degrees. Oh, my God. It wasn't actually 109. My car is sitting in the middle of a black parking lot, like, with no, you know, cover or anything. So that's just what it had baked to over the day but like no 109 degrees is what it felt like inside the car after i got in yikes no good no good anyway so yeah no pants well you know it's almost as exciting as you not wearing any pants (laughs) would that be the penguins winning the stanley cup (laughs) yes (laughs) i just guessed because that's number one on your podcast list but, uh, yeah, that's almost as exciting as me not wearing pants, for sure. I mean, it would be more exciting if it was the first time they'd done it in the last two years, but... It would be more exciting if it had been PK, Zuban, and Vern Fiddler winning. Yeah. Um, that's I'm right. Not, I'm not unhappy the Penguins won, because, like I said, like I said before, I, I'm happy that it wasn't the Blackhawks or the Kings to be the first ones to repeat in the salary cap era, but... Um, by the end of the series, I wanted the pe- the Predators to win so badly, I was, like, crying when I read the news that the Penguins had won. Yeah, <laughs> I watched that game. I, I knew it was going to be, like, a stupid goal that won it, and it was. It was a stupid, stupid goal. And... Didn't even watch it. it. I well, I watched it because I like you know I wanted I wanted the Preds to win pretty bad, and I thought okay if they could win at home they can win at home you know, um, and you know to be fair both goaltenders played really well and I mean it was a stupid fluky thing that like the bounce you know 
Hornquist was able to, you know, grab the puck out of the air and bounce it off of Rina's shoulder, or it was elbow, actually, and into the net. And, like, that was backbreaking. It was just backbreaking. It was actually a really exciting hockey game. So... I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't exciting. I am saying that because it wasn't, like, because neither team was one I particularly cared about prior to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually legitimately forgot it was happening that day and played <laughs> Dragon Age all night. And, like, Mary, who actually has been paying it's my roommate, who mm-hmm. has been paying attention more to, like, what's going on, um also forgot that it was that night and it wasn't until i was waiting for a loading screen in uh dragon age and looked down at twitter that i realized that like they were talking about the penguins winning and then we didn't bother to turn it on because who wants to watch the penguins be happy um rather than fans i mean it's one of those things where it's like i don't i don't dislike the penguins at all and in fact i'm like i'm actually I feel like Crosby deserved the MVP award this year more than he did last year. Oh, so, no, come on. Let's be honest with ourselves here. There was one player on that team that deserved it last year, and that one player was Phil fucking Kessel. And the fact (laughs) that he did not get it last year still fills me with a god-awful rage. Yeah, it was, it was really, honestly, it should have been Phil Kessel with Conn Smythe last year, but now you've got Crosby with back-to-back Stanley Cups and back-to-back Smites. and it, it was almost like they knew it was happening. Yeah, it was just like one of those things where it's like eh, this feels a little preordained. It does. It almost feels like 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 somebody knew it was going to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although there is there is one other nice thing to come out of this, and that is that one of my former Oilers babes. Is now a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Yeah! And how many times has Connor McDavid won it? I know, I know. It's zero. Well, to be fair, he's he really didn't play much last year. So that stop, would have Karen. been hard for him. Stop. Stop, <laughs> stop Carolyn. Just stop. You're like, you don't need to be fair to Connor McDavid. The entire world is bending over their backs to be fair to Connor McDavid. I think I think in this podcast we see a salty Connor McDavid zone. <laughs> this is a McFriendship free zone. <laughs> this is a McFriendship free zone. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. So the other thing that I think is actually really kind of like a, a bittersweet about the whole Penguins thing is the Mark Andre Fleury. Like it came out that he waived his no movement clause back in like March, right before the trade deadline, but only for Vegas, so they couldn't trade him. And yeah. uh, but so now it's it's like a hundred. Like I mean, we all knew it before, right? But it was kind of those one of those wink wink things that he was going to Vegas. But now it's like a hundred percent. There's no way he's not going to Vegas. Now whether or not he stays in Vegas is different because you know um there's several like even though the stars now have an actual goalie like the flames don't have a goalie for next year yet and there's a couple other teams like wave has no movement clause again though um i don't i don't know it would it really kind of depends so maybe he would he'll move wave it to go to to the flames because i mean both vegas and the flames are looking for starters and i think that's part of what it was is that he knew he'd never be a starter if he stayed in Pen- in Pittsburgh. 
Mm-hmm. But there's there are a couple teams still out there looking for starters. So I think I think that's a very real possibility. Which speaking of Vegas, it's expansion madness week. Yeah! Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And the dominoes are starting to fall. You're so much more excited than me. <laughs> I, like, I'm living for it. This is like sustaining me. I'm glad. Uh, why don't you talk why don't you talk about why you're so excited? Well, I'm so excited because like so as far as the timeline is concerned, we're, we're right in the thick of it. So all new movement clauses had to be requested for waiver on um Monday by 5 p.m. Eastern. And then the players have until tomorrow at 5 p.m. to say whether or not they're willing to waive them. And we've already seen a little bit of stuff go down without that. Um, for instance, flurries came out, right? Um, they We found out that uh, Dion Phaneuf was asked to waive his no-movement clause and just declined. Like, just straight up said, move on. <laughs> like, no, we're staying here. Like, so, um, the, and he's getting a little bit of flack for that, which I don't think is really quite. That's not fair. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't want to go. Yeah, right? And it's within, like, I mean, he has a no movement clause for a reason, and they, somebody gave it to him, and it's not like Ottawa didn't know he had it. So, you know, I don't blame them for asking, but I also don't blame him for saying no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there, that, so that happens. And then, um, all the protection lists have to be turned into the NHL by, um, Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern. And that, and then the really fun part happens on Sunday when all the protection lists get released. So at 10.30 a.m., everybody knows who's protected. Okay, you're going to have to, like text me because I'm going to be at church watching my baby niece get baptized on Sunday at 1030. Okay, well, make sure that you have your phone handy, which I know you always do, because I will text you. But, it's literally glued to my hand. Yeah, all the time, even in church. Who needs Very awkward doing anything with it right now. It's okay, Jesus probably has Twitter. Um, you know, he actually does. There are several Jesus <laughs> tweeters. Tweeters is what I just said. I said Jesus tweeters. So, yeah. So anyway, but, like, the stars have had several, like, kind of up-in-the-air things. Like, we, we all don't know, like, really what's going on with the defense. We don't really know. We know we know most of the people who will be protected on as forwards, right? Like, you know, Sagan, Ben, Spezza, Foxa. But then there's still some open spots. So, actually, I feel like we got some really good insight today. Um, because the Washington Post reached out to 30 different beat writers and had them submit their protection lists for uh, whatever team they cover. And then um, they went through and picked out who who was left over for their own Vegas cast. And I don't actually really agree with who their Vegas team is for in a lot of cases. I'm a little confused by it, I'm not going to lie. But I thought, but Mike Heike, who is, as you know, our favorite beat writer for the Dallas Stars. Uh, He's our only beat writer. We have, we have a couple more now. We have a couple more now. In fact, they hired know, a new one. He's the only one that's actually part of the... NW and not eight. anymore. So they just hired um, Scott Burnside this summer because he got laid off by ESPN and all those awful right. layoffs. But they, would they reach out to him when he hasn't even started writing for us yet? But he was already a part of the PWHA. PHWA, sorry. 
when he was with I know, him. but I mean, like, he hasn't been writing for the stars. Yeah, he has. A couple of things. Not much. Just, like, two or three. Okay. Girlfriend, will you fucking listen to what I'm saying? He hasn't... He has not been reading... List, like, writing that much yet. Like, he he got hired after the season was over. Like... I, if I were if I were reaching out to someone to write an article about who we think is going to get protected, who wouldn't go with Mike Heike? <laughs> I'm not what saying you wouldn't go with Mike Heike. I was just saying, now we have more. That's all I was saying. Oh. It's going to get better. Look, we have people paying attention to us. That's Mike Heike is still the only one listed on the website. I'm pretty sure he's under the national writers, Burnside is. Because he was national. Um. Anyway, Mike Heike did their protection list for this mock draft, and I think it's actually pretty... I think it gives us some good insight. And the big one is that Cody Eakin is not protected, and Antoine Roussel is protected. And that's the important part, because everybody's been... That's kind of like what I've been wondering about, is what they're going to do as far as that's concerned. Um, I really like his protection list, honestly, and I would be happy with, if this is what we actually do, because, I mean, I don't, I don't really give a shit about Val Nachushkin at this point, but if they want to protect him, they want to protect him, and I can't think of anybody else that I would be like, no, we should protect him over Val Nachushkin potentially coming back at some point. Um, but, like, I don't, I don't, I don't truly believe that Vegas would take Cody Eakin if Cody Eakin were exposed, but... If we leave him exposed, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I almost wonder if he's one of those people that will have to, like, give them, like, a throw-in pick. Because it's not like his contract is really bad, but it would protect a couple of our younger potential guys, like Cody, uh, like That's Curtis McKenzie. It's really bad, but it's also not really good. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not an awful contract, but it's not a good contract. And so it's one of those things where it's like, well, okay, we'll give you a fourth or something. Yeah. And you can just take it off our hands. Please just take this one. Or, you know, here's a handshake deal. We'll give you Nemeth for free if you take Cody Eakin. <laughs> Here, take this other albatross <laughs> with this ginger albatross. <laughs> Do us a fucking favor and we'll let you have both of them for peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably barely worth the peanut. <laughs> I'm really salty today. You are. You I mean, like a peanut. I am it is so hot here. <laughs> I'm just angry about how hot it is. <laughs> I Be prepared for this summer of podcasts, children. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna get uh it's gonna get cranky. Only gonna get crankier. So, uh, for, so, um, bit of housekeeping, Carolyn, mm-hmm. um, the next time we're supposed to be podcasting, I'll actually be in Canada. Well, fine then. Yeah, but we can podcast the week I get back. Okay, well, we'll figure that out. Week. We'll figure that out if we figure that out. You know, I really don't agree with who they picked for their, for the list. I really don't. Do I mean... I don't know, I don't, I don't even know some of these people, honestly, but, like, I'm surprised that they have James Neal here as this definitive forward. Did he get traded and I didn't hear about it? No, so this is actually one of the big debates going on right now, 
And so we all kind of know that they're going to they're gonna protect all four of their big defensemen, right? So P.K. Subban, Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, and Ryan Ellis. Those are definitely... They didn't, honestly. Exactly. So then That's, that leaves like, them four forwards. Is what, what Nashville has going for it. Right. So then they only get four forwards. If you, you know, we know they're going to protect Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, and Victor Arvidsson. So it's coming down to, okay, well, James Neal is not going to be a free agent in 2018. Uh-huh. And... He's going to want to raise, even though he probably doesn't have actually earned one. But they've got this guy, uh, Kaya Yarncrock. Kyle? Kaya? I don't know how to say his first name. But it's Yarncrock. Um, just call him Iron Hook. Yeah, Iron Hook. Good old Iron Hook. And he's youngish. He's 25. But he's on this crazy, amazing deal. He signed a deal last summer for six years for $2 million each. But the Damn. problem is that he's really never been anything better than like a middle six center. He's pretty good at the faceoff dot, but he doesn't put up a whole lot of points, and he has one of the worst assist rates in the entire league, which just basically shows that you he's a go to the net kind of guy. And so, like you'd be if you're protecting him, like like on this list that they've got, then what you're doing is sacrificing more scoring. In oh, the hang form on, of James hang on. Neal. Hang on just a second. I'm going to turn my monitor up or have a present for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Kaye Jarncrook. Kaye Jarncrook. Kaye Jarncrook. Kaye Jarncrook. Yeah, I'm going to that up and do it occasionally throughout the podcast now. <laughs> I think so. That's going to be awesome. It's the new groinal region. It is the new groinal region. <laughs> groinal region. <laughs> My argument is that you want to pick Neil. You want to protect Neil because, I mean, if there's one thing we've already learned about the freaking predators is that they have a hard time scoring. So why would you protect a guy who's never going to be better than probably a 30-point player? even though he's on a really good deal. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to spend that money to find somebody to, you know, to replace James Neal regardless if you if you get rid of him. So mm-hmm. if you're, you're not really saving money by getting rid of James Neal. Right. And that's why I was thinking about it. So, like, that one I really don't understand. Um, well, you can blame Adam... Vingen from the Tennessean for that. Uh, I don't understand why anybody in their right mind would pick Lucas Sabisa off the Canucks. Like, throw that pick away. Like, just, like, take somebody from their goddamn AHL team, because then at least you're th- filling out the AHL team. Yeah, I don't know why you'd take Sabisa either. But, yeah. But some of them I definitely agree with, and in fact I think some of them you're starting to see like, actually, like, come into play. Like, Marco Dano, who they picked on this list, um, just got his new... just signed that $850,000 contract, and, like, it's almost a guarantee that that's why he signed it, is so that he can be exposed to Vegas. What do you think about Kirby Reichelt from the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, it's fine. I mean, I'm not, like, a huge fan of it, but it's hard to... Um, figure out who you would pick from the Leafs, you know, because they're not, there's not a lot that's ex- exposed that's worth anything. Um, it's kind of like the Arizona Coyotes, too. 
Like, they picked Luke Shen, but who the fuck else are you going to pick? Yeah. Um, so, who knows? Uh, they're, like, they're, like, the Coyotes are actually really trying hard to take advantage of this fact, because they can protect whoever they, if they trade for anybody, they can protect him, like, no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the Ducks are actually being kind of, uh, so Sammy Vatanen is on this, is their, the Washington Post Vegas roster, um, because the Ducks have too many good players on defense. And so they're going to probably be forced to trade somebody. Kind of like what you saw today with, uh, and I'm skipping ahead a bit on our schedule, but there was a big, big, big trade. I hope you saw it go down. Jonathan Drouin got traded to the Montreal Canadiens. I honestly didn't see a lot of that happen. What I saw was a lot of people crying. <laughs> okay, so Jonathan Drouin got traded to the Montreal Canadiens for the Canadiens' uh, best defensive prospect, Mikhail Sergachev. Um, and there also is a couple of conditional picks in there as well. So it's Drouin plus a conditional sixth, and Sergachev plus an additional a conditional second. So going What do you back. think about this trade? Um, I think it's actually a pretty good trade for both teams. I think it addresses some needs. I think I think it's pretty risky for both teams. Now, what really I don't think was a good move on the Canadians' part is that immediately after they traded for Juan, they signed him to a six-year, $5.5 million contract. What? I did not see that. Yeah, just happened. So this kid, who has only put up 50 points once in his career, I mean, granted, he's 21, but his doesn't drive play on his own. Like, he can make some, like, really amazing plays himself, but he's not, like, a play driver. Not, like, in the, the way you think of as, like, Jamie Benn or somebody. That's um, outrageous. So, yeah. I and, mean, like, trade is fine, whatever, but man, that fucking contract. Yeah. Ooh. What I think is actually really, really smart on Tampa's part, because, so... Uh, Eiserman keeps saying he made this trade because he wanted more... He's They're thin on defense, which I think everybody kind of knows is that Tampa has some defensive problems at this point. Uh-huh. Um, so he keeps saying that he made this trade to get Sergeyev for defense, but I think the the, the prevailing feeling was that he uh, Sergeyev wasn't quite ready for the NHL last year, which means that if he's not putting up a good camp... Um, he may not be ready for the NHL this year. And because he's so young, he's only I think he's only 19 or 20, he would have to go back to juniors instead of playing in the AHL. And so what the condition is on the picks, the sixth and the, se- and the second, is that um, if Sergeyev plays 40 games in the NHL, there's no picks exchanged. But if he, ha- he doesn't play in the NHL for 40 games or more, then they get the picks. So then Tampa gets a second. And I think it's really smart move by Iserman because it's basically assuring that for giving up Duran, regardless, he's getting something out of this next year. So regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not Sergeyev is actually an NHLer, he gets something. Sure. Oh, man. That contract, though. Yeah, I'm not... I, I, I saw a lot of people saying it was right on the money for a guy of his skill level, but I also don't know how much more you're going to see out of him. And now, I mean, honestly, Montreal is probably going to do some more crazy shit. Like, 
they say uh, Alex Galchenyuk's getting traded. Like, there's no way he's not getting traded. Do you think he wants to come to Dallas? <laughs> I think Dallas wouldn't mind trading for him. I like we have a spot open on the wing. Like that's not like we need. You can have Cody Eakin. <laughs> right. Well, they need centers, and we need a winger. <laughs> hey, I'm calling them up right now. So I guess that brings us. So sorry, I was skipping around a bit. So now I'm going to go right back to where I was going to go. Uh. I think we should talk trade speculation. I think we should. Uh, okay. Alex so, Galchenyuk. Alex Galchenyuk. So one thing that was floated today by, um, I forget what his Matt Hendricks, I think is his name is, NHL Maddie N. And, uh, he's, you know, I, he's a beat, but he's not like, I don't think... Uh, he's not like an insider like Bob McKenzie or anybody like that, but he just kind of floated it out there that he thought Cody Eakin for Jordan Eberly would be an excellent trade. I mean, I'm okay with that. Uh, so anyway, we had a reader question about that particular thing. Uh, Jolly Whiskey asks, is Eberly for Eakin? Thoughts? Good, bad, ambivalent? Eberly obviously is better than Eakin and could be useful, but would it be better to trade for defense? Okay, so first of all, haven't we already talked about Eberly for Eakin before? Because somebody asked us about Eberly prior to this, didn't they? I feel like we made that joke on the podcast last time, but as a joke, and now it's like seriously out there. I know, I know we at least talked about it. Um, <laughs> so I would happily trade you, I would happily trade Eakin for like a bag of magic beans at this point. Like, <laughs> I honestly am done with Egan. I'm so over him. I'm so over Alexiak. I'm so over Nemeth. I would give them away for, like, a new pair of laces. Like, that is that is where I am on all three of those players. So if they want to package all three of them up, send them to, to uh, Edmonton and give us Eberly, I'm happy with that. Whatever. Fuck it. Get rid of them. Get them off the roster. Like, let us start clean and fresh. I've had a lot of vodka, though, so I'm not sure that I would actually listen to me right now. Oh, my God. No. Okay, so I'm scrolling through Twitter because I was just, I'm like, I'm so hype on this trade focus right now. So now, uh... You're... That's funny. I'm scrolling through Papa John's because I'm drunk and hungry. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I am. <laughs> In case you were wondering. <laughs> So, Matt Henderson, not the same NHL Maddie that I was talking about before, <laughs> says, as Tampa turns 53-point winger Druan into Sergeyev plus a second, Edmonton debates turning 51-point winger Eberly into Cody Eakin. <laughs> oh, God. So, like, it's picking up steam. So, like, I don't know. What the Let's hell, guys? Fuck it. Let's just do Let's... this. Let it, like, nil. Let's... Get on the phone. Uh... I think the other winger, and this one actually is kind of really starting to, I think, to really, you know, pique my interest, is, especially since this Duran trade happened, is Alexander Radulov needs a new contract. And he was fantastic for Montreal next last year, but he, they're not going to be able to afford him now, now that they're giving him 5.5, Duran 5.5. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically what he made last year. And so... I, I mean, he's older, but he, I mean, he clearly hasn't slowed down, and he's a playmaker, which is something we could probably use. And um, so, I'd be really interested to see him playing in Dallas. I think he would be a really good fit, but he'd be expensive, and that 
that's the one thing that would bother me. Yeah. Yeah. So the other trade I've heard floated is we all kind of know that expansion has the Minnesota Wild in a bind. And they're probably, they're going to be forced to either lose Matt Dumba, who we love, or Jonas Brodin. And while we do love Matt Dumba, he's a righty. And where's the star's weakness? On the left. And right. that's where Brodine would come in. And so we're actually, I've heard several people say that the stars are heavily in on Jonas Brodine. And have any producer Jamie Ben on the left hand side? <laughs> you, mean, you mean Jamie Ben next to, next to Klingberg? Is that what you're proposing? Yeah, that's totally what I'm proposing. <laughs> I mean, heck, I, that's like one of the few combinations that they didn't try last year. So it might work. Who knows? I asked you a question to get you talking so I could leave the room for a minute. I'm sorry. I didn't pick up what you were putting down. It's okay. I'm, I'm back already. I was just getting my wallet so I could order this piece. <laughs> um, apparently, I had a lot of free points, so I'm getting a medium two-topping pizza and cheese sticks for free. I just have to pay the delivery fee. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You know what's really sad? I actually have a lot of points also, but there's no Papa John's within delivery radius of the house I'm living in right now. That is the saddest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) It keeps me from eating too much pizza. I speak for you. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about stats about Brodine because here's the one concern I have. He, so his Corsi against per 60 is 51.1, which is really good. Um, I think the stars were close to 60 last year, and the average NHL average is 55. So clearly suppressing shots at a very good rate. Um, but the issue is that his Corsi 4 per 60 was 53.1. So again, below average offense. And who's the person that we have seen with below average offense? On our defense. All of them? Lindell. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the only thing that I worry about with that is is that he might just be another slightly better defensively Lindell. Um, yeah, that would be that would be worrisome. And but I think you could make it work. But I, I, the other thing, though, I will say is he played at IHS, IHS, IIHF Worlds, and he was paired with um, OEL the whole time. And OEL is pretty well known for being an offensive defenseman. Um, and they looked really good together. Um, so I think there is definitely the possibility that if you did Brodine with, Kling, with Klingberg, you could get something similar to that. Because um, he seemed to read him really well, which was... Well, I mean, that worked out really well for Sweden this year, so... <laughs> right? I mean, I would... I just remembered I'm going to have to put on pants before the uh, pizza gets here in 47 to 57 minutes. By the time we get off the podcast, you can do this entire podcast pants-free. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I really wanted out of life today is to do this podcast pants-free. I think... Given how how many people that the stars have been connected with that I wouldn't be into being on the team, like going after Carl Alsner or 
bringing back Russell or somebody like that, like, Brodine's starting to look good to me, and I don't know if I'm just being, like, <laughs> just overly Like, finally awkward. somebody wants to come to the stars? <laughs> or, or just, like, you know, like, prettiest, prettiest house on an ugly block type thing. Like, I don't know if I'm just being, like, overly optimistic here. Yeah. But he's I also... Can't answer that for you. Sorry. He's also younger, though. That is one thing. Like, we've been... Stars have been linked to Chris Tanev. And Chris Tanev is in his 30s already. Actually, I'm going to fact check myself on that. Because... No, I, he's older. He's definitely older, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, but he's, he's really good. Well, 27. He's 27. He's not, okay, so he's, he's not in his 30s. older than Jonas Brodin. Yeah, and... Well, that's only 23. And so that's one other thing that can play in his favor, is that he is younger. He's almost... He's not quite 24. He'll be 24 this year. So He'll be four in a month. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like, well, it, it might be worth it, you know, to, to take this flyer. And it's not like we don't have assets this year, and it's not like we don't have cap space this year, you know? Right. And, uh... I still want us to pursue Sam Gagne, by dude. the way. Dude. Yeah, I'm all in on that. I mean, we need wingers. We've been talking about this. We need wingers. I- I don't know how to convey this to Jim Nell, how much we need Sam Gagne. You personally need Sam Gagne. I personally need to own a new Reebok jersey with Sam Gagne's name and number on it. (laughs) Also, 89 is totally free. He could be 89 here. It's available. Yeah. That's another reason to sign him. He'd probably take a million. He'd probably take a million and a half. Yeah. Yes, he would. And that is a good amount for the stars. Yes. Please bring Sam Bonnie to me. <laughs> I just, I can't think of anybody else on defense that I would really rather have, or that makes more makes as much sense, other than, like, going and bringing back Alex Goligoski. <laughs> I, right, God. It's so funny. I was so down on him by the time he left, and now I'm like, can we please have him back? I wasn't down on him. I just... I was. I, I just understood why he wasn't coming back. And it, for me, it was more of a, like, well, okay, I, they don't want to pay him that much, and I can understand that, and it makes sense. But... We'll see. Hey, Carolyn. Hmm? Got you a jarn crook. <laughs> you know who has also come up in trade speculation now that I'm thinking about it? Because I'm scrolling through Twitter again. Nicholas Yalmerson. Um, okay, so speaking of the Blackhawks, I was looking at their uh, protected list. They have painted themselves into the most hilarious corner with all of these fucking no-movement clauses they keep signing people to. Oh, yeah. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight no-movement clauses. I I think that's some uh, expansion schadenfreude. Expansion Freud, if you will. Right there that I'm feeling. Oh, yeah. I'm honestly, I'm laughing quite a bit at this list because they have three people on it that are not protected by a no-movement clause. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, and... and No wonder they're trying to unload Marion Hosa and Nicholas Yalmerson. Yalmerson. Yeah, no, like, well, so that's the thing, and then, and so they're they're already going to send Kruger to 
Vegas for Trevor Van Riemsdyk, which he's not very good anyway, so I don't quite get it. But so that's already happening, and then they're saying they have to they're going to move another core piece, another core piece, and so for the only person who really makes a whole lot of sense is is Hosa or Yalmerson, and Yalmerson isn't wouldn't even get like give them that much cap space to work with. Yeah. I've heard Prince Ebrook's name bandied about, too, but I don't know if that's actually a thing. LeBron had said that the they have no plans to talk to Brent Seabrook about waiving his no-movement clause. Okay. So... Well, he keeps getting described as the beating heart of that team, so... Right. Like, it's so funny to me that he's described as the beating heart of the... I'm like, really? You're, like, third best defenseman? Okay. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You want to keep him over Nicholas Yarson? You do you, bud. You do you. So yeah. So there's that's. I mean, in, in so the NHL is doing that thing again where the NHL hates fun, and they're like telling people to keep mum on like all the Vegas trades until the expansion draft actually happens, which happens on the twenty first. During the NHL awards. I honestly hate the NHL so much sometimes. Right? Like, I'm like, ah, I'm going out of my skin here. Like, I need something to happen. So, So, we were talking at lunch today at work about sports and about, like, because I was talking about hockey, and then somebody asked me if I watched any other sports, and I was like, well, I casually follow the Spurs. And then I was like, but I just never could get into baseball or, or football. And then my friend Candace was sitting with me, and she was like, yeah, I used to watch football when I was a kid, but I grew up, and then it was awful, and I stopped watching it. Um, and it was just, we were just talking about, like, how unfun, like, the players make it themselves with the whole, like, with everything about, you know, there's a guy that, like, beats his wife. There's a guy that murdered someone. There's, a, you know, all these different things. But then the league itself also makes it unfun by the way they, like, respond to these things or just the way they are in general. And I was like, listen, I am here to tell you hockey is no different than any of these other sports. And it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, hockey is also kind of awful. Yeah, I actually, I was listening to a podcast today that I really like about soccer called the Double Pivot Podcast. And they had, and I think you follow her on Twitter, and if you don't, podcast listeners, you should. Um, her name is Shireen Ahmed, and it's underscore Shireen Ahmed underscore. I believe I do, yeah. She's great, but she's a big soccer fan, like a soccer writer, um, and she wrote blogs, and uh, she blogs a lot about, you know, being a woman of color, being a Muslim woman, following soccer, um, and she they were having a really good discussion today about the Cristiano Ronaldo uh, rape allegation that um, he paid some sort of settlement for. Mm-hmm. And and she was having a really good discussion about like how fandom can't be all or nothing. Like you can't it, for most people, and it's not the right way to approach fandom. Like you have to kind of accept that there is going to be bad. But if you love the sport anyway, like you you just love the sport anyway, and you you know there's definitely tolerance levels, and it's okay to have different tolerance levels, but. It, for her, she said it was important to stick around and, like, fight those things than to just be like, no, I'm going to boycott this entirely. Yeah. And yeah. I, that's, I and that's, I mean, like, 
that's where I that's where I kind of am is like focusing on hockey though because I don't have I don't have the interest or like the passion for football mm-hmm. or baseball, and I only barely have the passion for basketball. Like I love the Spurs with an unholy passion, but like. I also don't know of any issues that we've had with anything other than Tony Parker cheating on his wife. Um, and if we have had issues with that, I like honestly, I follow them so casually, I just haven't heard about it. Yeah. But like, I'm not saying that basketball is without its issues. I'm saying I don't know any on the Spurs. But I mean, that's kind of where I came down after the whole Patrick Kane thing. Is and the response to that is that like I get out of the sport what I put into it. And if I put into it, you know, being helping people be more aware of the things that make hockey not fun at the same time that we concentrate on the things that do make hockey fun, then I feel like I can feel okay with continuing to support the sport. Yeah, definitely. And actually, like, there's been some really uplifting things recently too especially with respect to like violence against women and stuff um so brendan shanahan and the maple leafs and their whole um i don't remember what the exact initiative is called but it's basically be good guys campaign (laughs) nice um and it's it's literally about like being better um be better educated about violence against women and taking action to support organizations that support women who've had, you know, had issues and really doing a lot on the educational aspect. So I think that's really cool. And it's all part of that um, campaign that uh, Melissa, Melissa Gershwin, you know, and her, her her letter writing campaign, um, to okay. the NHL about violence against women and stuff like that. And she's gotten a lot of action. And Ron Francis, the GM of, of the Hurricanes, actually wrote a very supportive message back and was like, this is so important to us. And, you know, we're proud to say that we're trying to do this effort and this effort and this effort. And while they don't have, like, a big campaign around it, like like the Maple Leafs do, um, he was really supportive of, of you know, her, her campaign to, you know, to basically be like, violence against women in NHL is unacceptable. And so I think there, you're starting to see not, you know, I mean, clearly it's not perfect, right? Like something happens almost freaking every day, it feels like, but you're starting to see some people in really high level positions take it seriously. And for me, like that's enough encouragement to keep going. Yeah. Like, I think that's important, right? Like, to counter wins when you get them. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. I think that's I think that's important. Are we ready for questions? I think we're ready for questions. Okay. Andrew, I'll read the first one. Andrew L.A. asks, If Eakin doesn't get taken, what is your next best plausible option? And I think you've answered this one already, but I'm going to let you answer it again. I really think the dark horse to go to Vegas is Jamel Smith. I'm, I'm going to toot that horn until that horn gets blown. Um, but a lot of people have Vegas taking Roussel if he doesn't get protected. I could see either one of those things happening, TBH. Um, the only other thing that I think could potentially happen is that if we do trade for somebody like Burdeen or Tanev, that guy's getting protected over Steven Johns. Yeah. 
and then Stephen Johns could very well be the person taken by Vegas. Yeah. True. Um, we'll see how that goes. Do you want me to ask Andrew's No, good. Who will the Vegas Golden Knights draft that we might want to trade for? I think we'll try it, trade for one of the backup goalies they draft. Cause what do you think we're going to do with our goalies? Do you think we're gonna uh, trade one of them to them. <laughs> do you think we're gonna, well, do you think we're going to end up having to buy out both of our, both of Niemi and Lennon? No, I don't think we'll have to end up buying out both. I do think we still have to buy out Niemi. Though it's a little weird they haven't announced that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's how I feel about it. Well, do you think they have to, is that one of the things they'll have to wait for until after the list get announced? Mm-mm. Buyouts are already starting to be announced. Like, um... Oh, okay. Dan Girardi is getting bought out by the New York Rangers. That's a big one. And uh, the Avalanche are buying out uh, Francois Beauchemin. Oh, my God. I don't remember who this was, but I saw this on Twitter the other day that was... Oh, yeah, you responded to it. But, like, somebody on DBD retweeted it, and they were talking about, like, trading our number three overall pick for Matt Duchesne. And I was just like, there's no way on God's green earth I would trade a number three overall with that fucking thing. Nope. I think it's just that. <laughs> You're fading out a little bit, but I think that might be a good thing. <laughs> um, there's a lot of uh, interference on the line right now. Uh, you know, I could see, I could see Dallas trading back to number four in a pick swap and having, like, a major package with Duchesne in it. Uh-huh. Like, I could see Dallas trading back to number four, um, throwing in Cody Eakin, <laughs> and then getting Matt Duchesne in the deal. You know, on the other, like, the four and Matt Duchesne, and they get the three and Cody Eakin. Uh-huh. Um, so we were obviously getting the better player, but they are obviously getting the better pick. Um, it's not like they're getting a useless player. Just don't put them on the top line. A better pick by, like, one pick, so whatever. Yeah, I, 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 I could really honestly see Dallas trading back from three to four, but they would, I, there's little incentive to do it unless the, ha- the, the abs, <laughs> the habs, the avalanche, uh, <coughs> really incentivize it. Like, I don't see it, yeah. I don't see it happening easily. And I definitely okay. don't see them trading three overall. True. So number three is Let Wonder Let me ask this one, because I feel like you have more feelings. Oh, okay. Go for it. So Andrew L.A. wants to know your feelings on Wonder Woman, please. It was fucking amazing. I loved it so much. Um, so it was one of those things where I did not expect to cry nearly as much as I ended up crying. And I started crying, like, basically at the beginning of the movie. Like... <laughs> You walk in and you don't see a man on screen for 30 fucking minutes. And I was like, wow, what is this? I started, I I just, I cried for like all of the movie. Like Robin Wright comes out and she's this badass general with like battle scars and like literally looking her age. And I was like, wow, this is something incredibly different. And yeah, like I cried at the beach scene when they were fighting, because women were being badass and killing a bunch of men. And then <laughs> I cried again when she, um, when Diana was in the trenches, and, you know, they were like, it's no man's land, you can't go out there, no man can survive. And 
she was just like, well, you know, pulled off her Eowyn, I am no man thing. Right? And like, just went up there. And the thing that I love even more about that scene was that she was disrobing. She is wearing the Wonder Woman outfit, which is a strapless little, like, corset kind of thing and, like, a short skirt, right? Except that, like, there was nothing about this movie that was shot for the male gaze. So she's going out there, and she's climbing a ladder to do it, and instead of focusing on her boobs or her butt or, like, anything, it's like, here's a shot of her shield. Here's a shot of her lasso. Here's a shot of her, like, little headband thing. Like... I was I was blown away by the way this movie looked, by like the things that happened in it, by the way it felt, and by how fucking good it was. It is my favorite comic book movie by far out of anything that we have had so far. Yeah, I kind of want to cry now just hearing you describe it again. Like that's how I feel about it. Like yeah, and and there's yeah. <laughs> there's so many good tweets about it, right? But like there's that feeling that like almost every woman I've talk to who met it who's seen it is like you come out that movie and you want to you are ready to like kick the patriarchy's ass like you just want to yeah. beat something and yeah, like about, like now i know why men are so empowered like i came out of wonder woman and i'm ready to take on the world like yeah yes yes yeah. that's how i feel and, and that is what one movie has done for my me and i am 36 fucking years old Think about the women or the kids growing up now with this awesome Wonder Woman movie. And, like, hopefully any fucking movie that comes after it. I just, like, oh, my God, it was so good. Yes. It was so, so good. And, like, I, it wasn't perfect. Like, I do have things where I'm like, ooh, if you could have done that better, it could have been perfect. And, like, one of those things is that... I didn't particularly love who they got to play the villain, and I don't want to spoil anything, because I know there are probably still some people who haven't seen it. Yeah. But, like, because it's only been out for two weeks, so no whatever. No spoilers but, from us, but I agree with no you. No spoilers from us, but, like, I didn't particularly love the villain. I, like, the casting of the villain. I didn't mind that it was, like, a surprise as to who it was. I know you guessed it early on. I guessed somebody different. But, like... Either way, like, I think that, that that casting could have been better. And then I also read a commentary from somebody who was talking about the ableism in the movie and the way they treated people with disabilities and the fact that, like, the bad... The, there was one person that ended up... And I, can't, I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, Madam po- Dr. Poison or whatever, like, that woman, had, like, a, a disfigurement on her face and, like she was one of two disabled people in the movie and she was a bad person you know what I mean it was just kind of like okay I can see where you're coming from here because yeah that's that's not very good like representation for differently people you know what I mean like it was that I I understood that criticism and I took that to heart because while everybody is like yes this movie is amazing there are certainly ways that it could have been better. Yeah, and I think I think that I think that's both very very fair criticism. And now I'm like so curious. So like I kept kept watching that movie, and this is not a spoiler because you see her in the um, in the trailer even. But I can't mm-hmm. like uh, Steve's secretary. Is she the chick from? She just looks so familiar. So now I have to like look her up. Lucy Davis. Is she the chick from from Love Actually? Which chick from Love actually? No. 
She's Shaun of the Dead. That's who she is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. I kept like, I'm like, she looks so familiar. She looks so familiar. Where the hell do I know her from? Okay. Yeah. Now I feel so much better. Thank you for asking that question, because otherwise I would never have looked that up. (laughs) She's, I love her. She's, she was such a, like, ray of sunshine in that movie. She was so funny. She was so good. I loved it. I loved pretty much everything about it. I, I had, I felt like, I felt like the villain was a bit too obvious for me, but apparently not too obvious for everybody. Um, yeah, I didn't think, to me, I didn't think it was obvious, but when it was revealed, it was kind of like, awesome. Is this just like a fake skin that you're wearing that you're going to like turn <laughs> into somebody that's more godlike? Oh, no, no. Okay. Yeah. We're just going to put that face on a god body. That makes no sense. But yay, CGI. Like, yeah. it was weird. It was very strange for me. Yeah. I, uh, couldn't, I, couldn't, I honestly had a, a hard time stopping stopping the laughter. Yeah. I think, uh, so that was the big eh for me. But one thing I will really take away from this is that Chris Pine is a good kisser. Like, in the Battle of Chris's, he wins the points on that one. Um... First of all, Chris Pine wins, like, a lot of things in the Battle of the Chrises. I love Chris Evans a lot, and I love Chris Hemsworth a lot, and I love Chris Pine, uh, Chris, oh, shit, what's the last one? Pratt. Pratt a lot. I, I knew it started with a P, and I was trying to say Pine again. But Chris Pratt has disappointed me when he was talking about, you don't see white middle-class people represented in the movies. I was like, what fucking movies are you watching? Right. Uh, <laughs> He also Chris, he also has voted Republican several times and talked about that. Yeah, so Chris Pratt is like de- very far down on the list of Chris's for me now. Chris Hemsworth, I love, and I do love how like open he's been about apologizing for shit he's done wrong with re- like representation and stuff in the past. Uh, Chris Evans has been like a shining beacon of awesomeness. <laughs> like, yeah, the Chris way Evans he- will literally punch a Nazi if you ask him to. He literally will punch a Nazi because he does it all the time on Twitter, and it's so awesome. Um, and like Chris Pine, Chris, like it's really Chris Evans against Chris Pine at this point in my life. And like I just have more history with Chris Pine because of Princess Diaries two and how much I loved him in that. Um, I watched that movie about. Oh, that whatever that movie was about luck with um Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that the one with um Lindsay Lohan? Yeah. He was in that? Yeah, he was the dude in that. And there was I was watching a promo like a promotional thing on the video on on the DVD. <gasps> I have some good news. I'm on Chris Pine's IMDB's page right now. Okay, okay, okay. hang on, yeah. hang on. Chris Pine is gonna be in A Wrinkle in Time. Holy shit! Who is he playing? Dr. Alex Murray. Oh my god! Oh my god! Holy shit, this is gonna be so fucking good. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy I'm gonna cry. <laughs> you have no idea how much I love him. Ugh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be so good. Just my luck. Just my luck. So I watched Princess Diaries 2 in theaters because they were also, at the time, releasing the preview for, um... Oh, wait, no, that was the first Princess Diaries. I don't 
remember why I watched Princess Diaries 2 in theaters, except that I just really loved Princess Diaries. So I watched the second one in theaters. But, like, I saw Just My Luck just because of him. And I remember watching this thing about, um, like, it was an inter- interviews where the stars asked each other questions, but they didn't ask them directly. They, like, submitted them to the interviewer. And so the interviewer was asking Lindsay Lohan, like, who is your best on-screen kiss? And Chris Pine says that you don't have to say it's him, but you should. And so she was like, oh, that's kind of cocky for your first big movie. And I was like, first of all, Lindsay Lohan, Princess <laughs> Diaries 2 is way better and way more enduring and lasting than fucking Just My Luck, okay? <laughs> Second of all, you are Lindsay Lohan, and I'm going to need you to scale it back a bit. Like, there is, there is a hierarchy of people in this movie, and you are not at the top. Wait, this was, this was... Pre, this is no. This was still post Mean Girls, though, right? Mean Girls came out in two thousand and five. Uh, yeah, Just My Luck was two thousand six. Okay, I'm just double checking that she was post Mean Girls because I mean she has a little more clout post Mean Girls. Pre oh, yeah, Mean she Girls, she has way less. Clout. I I get that she had more clout than him, but like, I I'm I'm not arguing that fact. No, I was just saying like it would have been like I would have been really outraged had she said that pre Mean Girls. Yeah. Mean Girls was she said that post Herbie fully loaded (laughs) and also post a Prairie Home Companion where Meryl Streep complained about what a bitch she was on set. So Yeah. She was already on her downhill spiral. That's all I'm saying, Lindsay Lohan. Speaking of downhill spirals, do you want me to ask this next question? Uh, sure. <laughs> oh, shit, my pizza's here. Hang on. <laughs> I need to put pants on. Hang on. Man, they were early with that one. Uh, that was some service right there. Taking the pants off again. <laughs> I only needed them to answer the door. Okay, I'm back. All right. Okay. Uh, now I have to find my questions again. Okay, there we go. Uh, so Andrew Lefebvre asks, why hasn't the NHL seriously looked into expanding or moving to Houston? It's the fourth most populated city in the U.S. and growing. Uh, because they had an AHL franchise and they literally priced them out of staying there. And Houston doesn't want hockey. And also, it sucks. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, so the Houston Arrows were there for... No, they weren't the Arrows. Yeah. They yeah, were they the Arrows. Um, they were there for, like, at least six years or so? Seven years? Something like that? It was something nine... No, it was more like ten years. I can't remember. Houston Arrows. I looked this up today and I've already forgotten. <laughs> so they were there for nine years. From 94... No, 2019 years. They're from 94 to 20, 2013. Because I don't like to think of 94 as being more than 20 years ago. Me uh, neither. Uh, so they were there for 19 years, and they ended up leaving and going to Iowa because they were they were the most expensive ticket in the AHL, and that was entirely because the um, Toyota Center was charging them exorbitant rent for the ice time. And... It was like, it, they basically just could not afford to stay there anymore. So, 
I mean, maybe they would be better about inviting in an NHL team just because that might be a more of a draw. But like, they gave zero shits about the hockey they already had, so I can't imagine that they'd be interested at all in opening their arena to an actual NHL team. Yeah. Well, and I think I think yes, you've got the population, but I think also we still haven't seen enough financial success from a lot of Sunbelt teams yet. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, the Dallas Stars only have fairly recently started making good money. Mm-hmm. So it's not like... It's not like Texas is really, really behind hockey. And it's not like the Texas Stars are doing amazingly either. So... And, and I mean, the, and HEB Center, Cedar Park Center, is a great rink, but they've had trouble selling out sometimes. And so I think I think there's a lot of factors in getting a Sunbelt team that are beyond just is the population there. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, Phoenix is a big city, but it's not like the Coyotes have had an easy time of it. No. Also, no one wants to go to Houston. Like, there's, no. it's not even a travel destination. Like, no one wants to go to Houston. It's no. god-awful. It's your oh, I'm going there tomorrow. You're going there tomorrow. Oh, you have family there. Yeah. Okay. Your turn to ask a question. Okay. Dougal says, I have questions. Oh, you, I missed questions? you missed one. Oh, Thordis. Sorry. Thordis. How do you cope when the joyful heart of your team is sent to Vegas? Uh, you go see Wonder Woman a lot, according to Marin. <laughs> well, yeah, you do. Uh, you also, I mean, honestly, you start supporting Vegas, right? Like, I mean, he's, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who I know is who you're talking about, is mm-hmm. going to be probably the face of that team, at least for a yep. little while, until they draft somebody really good. So, I mean, you can have a Western Conference team. It's not going to, no one's going to stop you from doing that. Nope. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think yeah, they could be really Like, fun. there's still a lot to love on your team. Like, I get that Marc-Andre Fleury is the beloved character, but you still have one of the best hockey players in the entire effing world and his best friend and, like, so much else still on that team. Like, And Phil fucking Kessel. And Phil fucking Kessel, who I know is, like, as, as the American hero for America, not as exciting as somebody in England. But, like, come on! It's Phil Kessel! Right? And then that means you get also the support of Amanda Kessel, who is amazing and great, and we just love her. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to like about the Penguins. In fact, it's surprising that I don't like the Penguins more than I do. I just think they have too many good things. It's not like there's not there's not enough adversity for them to overcome for me. They don't they don't need your support as well. <laughs> right? In addition to all these other good things. In addition to all these other good things. <laughs> okay. Uh I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, Dougal's questions. Okay. Uh, So she says, I have questions. My main question is, how do the stars get rid of too many defensemen? And second question, more funner question, what will be the highlight of the stars off-season shenanigans? So so far the highlight of the stars off-season shenanigans is Tyler Sagan getting another damn puppy, which I feel like is probably going to be the highlight of his off-season shenanigans is the puppy, but... Unless somebody gets married or something, like, that's probably going to be it. It's the puppy, which is fine. I feel like Jamie Benn should pop a question to somebody in particular. Honestly, if he lets her slip out of his grasp, I'm going to be so angry at him. Like, she is so perfect. Yeah, yeah. Just saying, like, we would support that marriage 
and all I of would, their babies unconditionally. Yeah, with my whole heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. How will they, how do they get rid of too many defensemen? Like, I mean, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, first of all, you hope that one of them gets taken in uh, a draft pick, expansion draft pick. You hope that you can unload some of them via, like, you know, packages and trades. Like, I don't know, but we're going to have to get rid of some of them because some of them really suck. Well, so they have until the 25th, which is both after the expansion draft and after the um, trade deadline to extend qualifying offers. So some of them could conceivably go to go with free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like there's, it's just going to be package deals all the way down. Yeah. To get rid of it. But I mean, it has to happen. That's the, th- that's the one thing, like, that has to happen this summer. Yeah. We have too many. Um, I hope your pizza's oh. good. <laughs> I'm eating the free cheese sticks that I also got along with it. <laughs> so... I hope the pizza's good, too. <laughs> Amanda asks, what are your thoughts on the most important thing that happened to the stars this offseason, i.e. Tyler Sagan's new puppy? Okay. And this is where you're going to tell me what this puppy's name is. Yes, so I have, she was Googling it, and I was like, no, stop! I'm going to tell you, tell you what his name is. Tyler Sagan named his white lab Gerald. What? What? <laughs> Gerald is definitely a sad <laughs> <laughs> Who names a happiness puppy Gerald? <laughs> this is my new puppy. What's his name? Gerald. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> like, no offense to people out there with pets named Gerald, but find some joy in your life. dogs alive and happy so yeah you know good for him happy he's got another dog to add to his menagerie of dogs 
definitely like a highlight of my week was his like little Instagram video. He was like, "This is not love." <laughs> oh my god, I laughed so hard. <laughs> it was oh, good. I, it was good. I mean, he's a good follow on Instagram for that stuff. Yeah, and on um, Snapchat. Yeah, Tyler Sagan appreciates the puppy pictures just as much as we appreciate the puppy pictures, which I appreciate about Tyler Sagan. Me too. True. True. All right, that was our last question. That was all we have for you this week. (laughs) I'm Carolyn. You can find me on Twitter at Classlicity. I am Marin. You can find me on Twitter at Marinish. And you can find us on uh, our official Twitter at DeepHeartHockey. And you can email us if you have a longer question or something like that at deepparthockey.gmail at gmail.com. I know. I'm all over the place. Who's the one that's drunk here? Um, you can find our Tumblr at uh, deepparthockey.tumblr.com and our official uh, blog at deepparthockey.wordpress.com. And that's all we've got for you. That's it. Bye. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye.